well, as you say, how could the supposed leader of the free world be elected essentially by a few thousand people across five or six states? Yeah. In the UK, why should the prime minister be elected by the few voters who matter in a small number of marginal constituencies? Hi, Owen. Hi. Thanks for coming on the um, on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. Yeah, um, I'm really pleased actually because before um, inviting you, I looked to see who was the founder of Make Folks Matter, which is a, a super cool uh, campaigning group that I spend a lot of time sharing your stuff. And I was so pleased to find out there was a young person similar age to me. I guess I don't I, I don't know how old you are. You guess you're still in your twenties. Yeah, I'm uh, twenty two. Oh my God, that young, Jesus, okay. I started when I was 16. Say again? I started when I was 16. But I should say I I am a co-founder. So there are lots of people of all ages who've helped helped out. But yeah, I started when I was 16. My, um, the groups I set up, I should also say that I'm also a co-founder as well, but sometimes you just don't have time to say that, do you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell me, uh, Owen, what, who are Make Folks Matter? It's a group that I've shared loads of stuff on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the rest of it. Um, they, they seem to be all over the place in terms of your content, but maybe not, not everyone fully knows who you guys are. So tell me about Make Folks Matter. Sure, yeah. So Make Votes Matter is the single issue cross-party campaign for proportional representation uh, in the UK for elections to the House of Commons. So we were founded in 2016 and um, yeah, we work with all sorts of organizations uh, to push for PR in the UK. And PR, for those who may not know, is proportional representation. So uh, we want seats in Parliament to match how people voted. Um, we want all votes to count equally so that if a political party gets 10% of the votes, they should get 10% of MPs. Crazy, crazy idea. Crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we go into sort of all of that, which we'll definitely come to, just tell me why you co-founded Make Votes Matter. Was, was there a gap in the market, as it were? Was there not enough young people? I mean, t- tell me about your reasons for setting it up. Yeah, well, uh, so it all it happened um, unexpectedly that I was 16, so it was before I could vote, but it was during the 2015 general election. I uh, I saw that the elections weren't going to represent voters and it did end up being the most disproportionate election in British history. Mm. And I started a change.org petition uh, for proportional representation, which really... Um, skyrocketed it got uh, about i think it's at 300,000 signatures now wow um and that was yeah that blew my 16 year old mind yeah that's um, nice but one of the good things about change.org is that i could email out to people who signed the petition so i kind of started sending updates just saying um if you care about this as well write to your mp and uh, um you know, like take these actions, tweet about this. And then um, from there, people got in touch with me. Um, So there were kind of other post-election things going on. So different activists got in touch and we 
met, I think for the first time in the summer after the 2015 election, uh, a rally in London and kind of sat down and thought, let's try and do some stuff together. So then um, we just were taking kind of ad hoc actions, running like mini campaigns. And in 2016, we decided to uh, start a full-fledged campaign Get yeah awesome um so i was i was going to ask you a little bit about what makes make votes matter different to the other groups in this space because there are other groups that campaign on electoral reform and proportional representation and so on so you presumably saw that maybe there was a gap for yourselves or, or did you just feel like you you had a, a slightly different style tone targeting different people yeah um so I should say before I start that we work with a lot of the organizations that existed uh, prior to 2015. So uh, we've collaborated with the Electoral Reform Society, Unlock Democracy, Compass, um, lots of other organizations like that. So we do a lot of work together. Uh, I think probably the biggest thing that sets Make Votes Matter apart is that it is a single issue. Um, we're very strictly single issue campaign. Uh, we're just working towards PR for the House of Commons, um, whereas most of the other organizations in the kind of democratic reform area also do House of Lords reform or votes at 16. We wanted to really be a kind of laser focused on proportional representation for the House of Commons. And then I think the other reason was that in the wake of the 2015 election, we sort of felt like there was a real need for um, grassroots activism. So we've always really focused on the grassroots and uh, setting up things like local groups, running uh, events like rallies, um, trying to like bring together the broadest number of activists possible. Um, so yeah, I think those are the two main things that kind of set Make Votes Matter apart. Yeah, yeah, cool. So a, a, a more bottom-up approach, um, and and a single and a proper laser like single issue focus on 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 pr uh, that makes total sense so i wanted to ask you what firstly why does the uk because the uk is one of only two countries in europe left that uses first past the post right and that's yeah. us and belarus yeah. um which is an odd bedfellow isn't it belarus to have it's, you know it's not it's not every day that you you, you say that the uk is in is in just a, a two-person club with Belarus. Yeah. So why does the UK stick with first past the post? That's a good question. And um, it's a question I would really like to put to all of the people who still support first past the post, like, yeah. come on, <laughs> what, <laughs> what is this? Um, I think it's to do with the kind of old problem that uh, people who are elected under first past the post aren't the biggest proponents of changing it because by nature it kind of suits them. So them what, yeah. what happened in most European countries is that around the or European democracies around the turn of the century they enfranchised um, working class voters and women and all of these new voters came into the electoral system and there was an understanding kind of across the board that um, systems needed to be more democratic. So proportional representation was introduced to represent all these new voters. Whereas in Britain, uh, the old parties managed only just to cling on to the old system. And since then, we've kind of, 
yeah, I've been lumbered with it because uh, no one in power has been willing to make the change. Mm. So I, mean, I should say on. that um, there are there are like many countries that use first past the post and changed. So probably um, it's it's a case of Britain being out of step in that it hasn't caught up and changed yet. Uh, but we hope it will soon, rather than necessarily that anyone ever chose first past the post here. Um, there was never any real design. Um, no one won the argument to have first past the post. No, no. Just kind of been landed with it by history, yeah. and yeah. we haven't been able to reform it yet. Yeah, yeah. No, it does. It, it often feels like we are playing catch up um, in the UK at times. And I, I think my my own take on this is that we because that almost like that exceptionalist part of our of our character, where well, we're Great Britain. We don't follow, we lead, we do, we are, we be, you know, we don't, we don't look at Germany and France and say, those guys are doing it better. That's not how, that's not how we, it's not how we roll in the UK. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, but I totally get that um, if more and more people hear this narrative, it's almost inarguable that we shouldn't be changing our electoral system as we're going to come to in a minute, because I think the, the arguments are just overwhelming, overwhelmingly powerful and persuasive. Um, but if you had to give me a breakdown of like, say the top one or two arguments in favor of first past the post, are, I mean, firstly, are there any? I, I don't think there are any that are that convincing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, I, if I had to give the two most common ones that I hear, uh, the first would be that first past the post keeps a constituency link. So, every local area has one MP. Yeah, I personally don't think that MPs under first past the post do a very good job of representing their constituency. I don't think any local area can be represented by one man or woman um, with all the diversity of their opinions. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that first past the post does it very well, but no. that's what they say. If I, if I can just very quickly give you a, an anecdote um, so, well, it's not that so many people I know have been blocked or banned from seeing their MP because they challenge them too much. So they just block them on Twitter and they just say, no, you're no longer allowed to have surgeries because you're a pain in the ass, basically. Um, so if you're, if you're like a hardcore socialist and you live in a, a safe Tory seat or something, um, chances are you're going to clash with your MP and that, that MP is just not going to listen to you, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's inevitable in this system that, I mean, we have such a um, diverse politics and, and so many different perspectives and viewpoints. No one person can ever truly represent all of the people in their area. Yeah. And um, what ends up happening is that you get kind of vast swathes of the country that all have a conservative MP and people look at that and think all of these places are identical. They're all represented by people have the same views. Actually, the voters themselves are really diverse and there's really interesting uh, different opinions on so many issues which are being shoehorned into a system that is so kind of binary um so i think it fails on that front yeah and the second reason sorry before i interrupted you yeah the second reason was that um first past the post um lets one party win a majority of seats so politics is more stable yeah and to be honest the counter argument to that is politics in Britain, which I mean, <laughs> since 2015, Britain has not been the most stable country, no. uh, most stable democracy by any measure. Um, 
first past the post has absolutely failed to deliver stability yeah. whilst also um, being so undemocratic. So I think it fails on that argument as well, but it's the other one I hear. You know, I think I read on your website that actually there are more general elections, they're more frequent in first past the post countries as they are in... Yeah, yeah, narrowly, but yes. Okay, um, now countries yeah. tend to have fewer elections. Yeah. And I think people kind of pick out a couple of examples um, from around the world where politics is unstable and there is a PR system mm -hmm. and use that to discredit all PR systems. Mm -hmm. But as we kind of said at the start, the vast majority of countries do use PR and most of those are very stable, including the most stable in the world, places like Germany, uh, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, uh, yeah. all of these democracies that have really great outcomes in terms of kind of social measures and very stable democratic systems use PR. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy, isn't it, if you're a critic to uh, just pick out that one example where it goes wrong. Yeah, 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 of course. It's like when people criticize, I'm not a socialist, but when, when people do criticize socialism, they always go for Venezuela as opposed to Denmark. I always find that a weird one. It's like, yeah, you, ch you cherry picked that one, haven't you? Um, well, the next question I had was basically give me the best arguments for PR. I know we've kind of just done it there a little bit in reverse, but go ahead and give me the, the top two or three best arguments for PR. Two or three. So I think they all really link to, um, well, for me anyway, different people will give you different answers. But for me, I think all of the arguments really come back to equality and if every vote matters, if every vote counts equally, uh, politics will in turn become more equal. So that, I mean, that makes a difference in so many different ways. There's kind of the surface level, which is that it's more democratic. Um, parties actually get seats in proportion to how many people voted for them. If they win more votes, they get more seats. If they win fewer votes, they win fewer seats. That is kind of self-explanatory. Yeah. And then that means that our parliaments in general are more diverse. I mean, there's evidence that PR countries um, elect more women and people from ethnic minorities, uh, but also in terms of policies, you get more kind of diversity in policymaking. And then finally, um, I think that equality actually makes decision-making much more kind of equitable in that um, politicians aren't just beholden in PR to a small number of swing voters in marginal seats. They actually have to appeal to everyone, which means policymaking is much more fair. Yeah. Good. I mean, I was, my brother and I, we were thinking about, we set up a similar, well, not, not a similar group. We, we set up a, a campaign group a couple of years ago to um, get young people onto the electoral register ready for the general election. Um, and we ran that in 2019 in the UK. And we were thinking about doing the same thing in 2020 for the, the in the US elections. And it, we were cynically looking at like two or three swing states. We didn't care about the hard red or the hard blue. We were looking at the swing states. And I kept thinking, Jesus, we are targeting, if we, we didn't end up running the campaign, but in our research, we were thinking, right, we are targeting specific demographics and specific swing states and specific areas. These are like the golden voters that can change the course of history because America's global power. Um, that's nuts. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be that there's that these people have so much value in their vote, and where, whereas there's whole swathes of the country that their votes are just totally meaningless. Just it seems nuts. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, it, well, as you say, how could the 
supposed leader of the free world be elected essentially by a few thousand people across five or six states yeah in the uk why should the prime minister be elected by the few voters who matter in a small number of marginal constituencies mm. and it's 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 not even there's been so i was doing some research before this there's been two occasions since the second world war where the minority party in terms of overall votes won the election yeah exactly yeah. i mean just like uh just like trump i think yeah, a lot of people yeah. in britain saw trump's election um with fewer votes than hillary clinton yeah. and thought oh that could never happen here yeah. but it has twice as you yeah, say yeah, I think it was 1951 and 1974. I <laughs> testing my knowledge, but yeah, uh, yeah, Atlee's Atlee's government in 51. Yeah, you're right, and the Tories in 74. Yeah, yeah, um, they well, those two lost despite winning the popular vote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good knowledge. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I guess the, the other thing as well. I mean, so I I, um, I belong to the Lib, 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 Liberal Democrats, um, and as a party, they're very pro um, electoral reform and pro PR. Um, um, but part of me thinks, well, they're bound to be because they're, they're a small party. And when, when you look at these numbers, though, it does just seem really unfair. So in front of me, I've got the, the numbers of, of people it took to get one MP in Parliament. Um, you'll obviously be familiar with this. It's obviously on your, on your website is where I got it from. So 800,000 votes it took to get a single Green MP in 2019. 600,000 for the Brexit party. They didn't get a single um, MP, thankfully. Um, and then 50,000 for Labour, 38,000 for the Tories and 26,000 for the SNP. So the SNP are laughing, they're loving first past the post. But they're, but they're actually in favour of electoral reform, no? Yeah, so yeah. that's, um, I mean, we're really grateful to the support, uh, for the support of the SNP. Yeah. Um, I think they see that even though in the short term they might have more seats in the long run, it is better for their voters if their voters have fair representation. Yeah. Um, and also because um, I think the SNP sees that um, due to first past the post, we swing between Labour and Conservative governments, and that doesn't actually represent uh, most voters in Scotland mm. any more than it represents most voters in England, Wales or Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, so and, and actually we have Conservative MPs who support proportional representation as well. Um, one of the things about being a cross-party campaign is that we like to stress um, that first past the post is bad for everyone. Um, the only real winners maybe are a few hundred MPs who have safe seats, but for the vast majority of voters, it means a politics which actually isn't as effective, um, mm. even if your party's winning. Yeah, and I suppose um, the just on top of that, I, I would maybe add that if, say, there's a, a coup in your party and you're in a safe seat, like, say, Dominic Grieve or somebody like that, um, if suddenly you find yourself as an independent, you've got a much better chance of, um, of that person, you know, being elected back to parliament in, in, a, in a PR system than, than a first-past-the-post system. So there's also, it also protects against that kind of nasty deselection de tactics of, it, when 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 you look at that as well, I remember looking at that and thinking, first past the post has clobbered these brave Tory MPs that have tried to stand up for their for their beliefs here. Um, so I wanted to ask you just just quickly on the AV referendum that we had a few years back. 
in was it 2014 20... uh, 2011 I 20, think. 2011 of course yeah yeah um 2014 was the scottish referendum wasn't it yeah, yeah. um so that was a referendum on electoral reform um it was sort of proposed by the lib dems and coalitions one of their big pledges that they wanted to get uh, through parliament during during their time in power um obviously it failed it failed quite tragically um i was for it i voted for it um i think ed Miliband at the time was sort of pro av but labor seemed a bit moot on it the tories was bit, you know strongly against it um so are you able to just quickly tell me the difference firstly between what PR is and what AV is and, and then maybe we'll talk about why you think AV failed? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll try and do it without getting uh, drawn into the really nitty gritty. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but essentially, AV is a kind of tweak of first past the post in that it keeps individual constituency MPs it keeps the exact same uh, system where one candidate is elected for each constituency. All it means is that in each of those constituencies, the candidate needs a majority to win. So I, I personally think um, AV is better than first past the post. I was 12 when the referendum was, so I couldn't vote. I wasn't very aware of the intricacies of our electoral system then. Um, but it doesn't really grapple with the problem of first past the post, mm. which is the huge disproportionality between votes and seats. Mm. Um, uh, there's some quite interesting analysis done by the Electoral Reform Society, uh, which shows that in the elections since 2011, if they had had AV, it would make practically no difference. Um, oh, really? okay. The Conservatives would have won actually more seats in 2015 uh, than they than they would have with first or than they did with first past the post. Um, it really doesn't make much difference because it keeps the individual constituencies, mm. uh, most of which aren't competitive. Mm. So we, uh, as a campaign, we are absolutely clear that AV is not a proportional system. It is just a kind of tweaked first past the post. Yeah, uh, we will only ever support a system where votes actually count equally and and seats match votes. Yeah. I think I, I remember reading uh, Coalition, actually, and in that, David Laws talks about it was a kind of miserly um, middle ground where the Lib Dems wanted PR or version of PR and, and the Tories were like, no, 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 we can't give you that because we get, it, it, it doesn't benefit us. Um, but we, we can give, maybe give you AV, we can, we can negotiate and give you AV. Yeah, it's such a missed opportunity um, that the public was given this choice between first past the post and first past the post plus. Like, yeah. uh, and in the end, I think the turnout was only about forty yeah. percent. So it's kind of if you ask the public, um, do you want to choose between a bad system or like a very bad system? Most people won't vote, and most people yeah. didn't. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that you th you think that's the that you think that's the reason why people um, chose to vote it down, basically vote against it. Well, I think most people just switched off. Um, I think people kind of thought this is just politicians squabbling over a tiny tweak to the system. Mm. Uh, it doesn't sound very interesting. Uh, I think the AV campaign really struggled to 
make the arguments in a way that was understandable. Um, yeah. But I think the biggest message from the AV referendum was disinterest rather than uh, pro or anti first past the post. Yeah. Do you, do you, I mean, obviously you were 11 at the time, but do, in your research since, do you happen to know if the press were, you know, which way the press were on it? I mean, I'm assuming as the sort of right wing press would, would be anti AV, probably anti PR. But did you know roughly where the press are on, on PR? Uh, I, I haven't read the research. I know there's a paper um, by Alan Rennick from the Constitution Unit about exactly this topic. I haven't read it, though. It's on my to-read list. Yeah, yeah. I'll send it to mine. Most, of the, uh, most of the newspapers backed um, David Cameron and no to AV. So yeah. I don't think there was a particularly balanced debate. As interesting, it was um, Dominic Cummings is, I think, one of his first referendum campaigns. He cut his teeth doing um, no to AV. And they had these awful billboards that were like, a new voting system will cost this many thousand pounds. Shouldn't we be uh, giving babies ventilators? It was, yeah. it was just... It was, it was the, it was the, it was the, the 350 million for the NHS, yeah. um, just yeah. slightly tweaked for exactly, exactly. The standard of debate was very low. It wasn't ever about democracy. Um, lots of people, I think, just wanted to give the coalition and give Nick Clegg kind of a, the, a yeah. bloody nose. Yeah. And yeah. very few people, I think, went to the ballot box and thought, this is what I want for democracy. Mm. And so, uh, to bring us back to Make Votes Matter, we are all about kind of saying this is a proper alternative and we want a true debate on this. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to be drawn into, you know, talking about tweaking systems. Uh, this is about like the principle of democracy. Mm-hmm. And it's not even as, as if you're proposing something radical that needs like months and years of testing. We're literally the last two countries in Europe not to do it, us and Bernie. Yeah. So. I, I mean, we even use it in the UK as yes. Scotland, Wales, London, Northern Ireland, all yeah. uh, forms of PR. Yeah. It works great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So really, it's just it's just Westminster um, and the Lords. Well, no, not the Lords because the Lords don't vote. So, um, but I just wanted to just quick before we move on from AV, I just wanted to ask you why you thought maybe Labour. Although Ed Miliband was in favour of AV, why you thought... I mean, is it literally just that they couldn't be bothered with a kind of tweak and, and they wanted to be more radical? Or is it that Labour actually like First Past the Post? Do you, do you happen to know what, what you know, uh, Labour's... Yeah, I think, I think it's a mixture. So there was a kind of feeling within the Labour Party um, after 2010 that all they had to do was... Um, run another Tony Blair type guy and they would win a massive majority and that would be that. Uh, And I think the problem within the Labour Party was they really struggled to grapple with things like uh, what was happening in Scotland with the SNP, the kind of beginnings in the so-called Red Wall, uh, kind of discontent that was emerging. And so I think they wanted to keep first past the post because they thought they could win a massive majority at the drop of a hat, basically. And since then, unfortunately uh, for Labour <laughs> Labour supporters, the party hasn't won another election. But from a PR perspective, well, proportional representation perspective, uh, we're glad that 
many Labour politicians are beginning to kind of reevaluate the system and realise that just because you're able to win a big majority, win power once, doesn't mean that the voting system is actually delivering for your voters or right. even really your policies. Yeah. A, a decade out of power should be enough to... Yeah, you um, think so. Yeah, should, should be enough to bring, you know, at least change a few minds in the Labour Party, you'd hope, for sure. Um, okay, so, so moving back to PR then, um, I just... Do you have a list of those who currently support PR, both in terms of parties and also in terms of politicians, key key politicians in in, in those parties? Uh, yeah, so on the Make Votes Matter uh, website, we have the uh, Make Votes Matter Alliance page. So the Alliance is a group of organisations, individuals, political parties, politicians who all support PR and who meet quarterly to campaign and uh, discuss. So it includes uh, all the way from the Green Party to the Brexit Party, um, or uh, Reform UK maybe now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it includes uh, people like John Cleese. Um, uh, Helen you did a really cool video for you guys, I saw. Yeah, yeah. I worked on that, which was very, <laughs> very fun. Um, yeah, legend. Yeah. Um, but Probably most importantly is that it includes all opposition parties aside from Labour. So um, there really is this huge coalition for reform and uh, we're just kind of waiting on the Labour Party to join us. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, it, you, it may be inappropriate for you to, to comment based on your position in the, in the thing, but do you, do you have faith in Keir Starmer to sort of steer the Labour Party in that direction? I, I have a lot of hope. Um, so during the leadership election, he said that uh, millions of votes are wasted and that needs to be addressed. And we're kind of making the argument that um, the only way to address it is with proportional representation. Yeah. Uh, so we think he's receptive and we are hearing good things. Uh, but I think probably the most important thing is that we have a huge grassroots effort within the Labour Party to yeah. kind of get him in the right place. Um, so that's uh, what we're doing with Labour for a New Democracy, which is a, a kind of joint campaign group with lots of Labour members involved, but supported by Make Votes Matter, uh, who are pushing for lab Labour to back PR. Um, through CLP motions and working with Labour members to try and change party policy. So I am really, really hopeful about what's happening in the Labour Party. And I think if members manage to pass uh, a motion in favour of PR at party conference, then I think Keir Starmer will uh, come out in favour as well. And I really hope that it will be in the next Labour Party manifesto. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you I'm think... Naive, but I'm definitely <laughs> hopeful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think um, I think like like we just said, if if after ten years out of power, if if you're not prepared to um, at least entertain the notion at this stage, then it just feels like this is never going to happen. But so yeah, I, um, I, I was I was going to ask you, do do you think that this policy would be enough to? Again, this is again maybe this is speculating outside of outside of your um, confines as a. As a as a cross-party um, campaigner here, certainly in, in my space, this is this is the sort of thing that we would discuss normally. But do do you think it's a vote winner in terms of um, bringing enough of society to, to to actually get you into power? Is is that a policy that will spook people on the 
maybe on the right, perhaps you might be flirting with Labour? Is it is it enough to draw Lib Dems and Greens over to the Labour Party? Do you, do you think it's enough of a vote winner to, to, to bring people in? I definitely think it's a vote winner. I don't think it's scaring anybody off. Um, so, yeah, as you said, we're uh, absolutely cross, a cross-party organisation. We work with all parties and people yeah. with no party. Yeah. Uh, but if I were looking from a Labour Party perspective, I would um, look at the polling. So virtually every poll that is conducted asking people about proportional representation shows the majority in favour. Yeah. Um, there was a poll released literally a couple of days ago. Yeah, I saw, I saw it, yeah. A plurality of Conservative voters, yeah, yeah. PR, as well as Labour voters and Liberal yeah. Democrats. Yeah. Um, but I think actually it's a, a really strong part of any party's pitch uh, to give voters more power. And uh, the Labour Party recently has been talking a lot about uh, leave voters who uh, have left the party recently in the 2019 election. Uh, and I think one of the ways that the Labour Party could appeal to those voters is by saying, look, you voted to leave because you didn't like the establishment you didn't feel like politics was working for you. Uh, what we'll do as the Labour Party is have PR so that your vote actually matters in future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's how you can genuinely, it's awful to use the slogan, but that's how you can take back control is by having a voting system where your vote vote actually matters. Genuinely matters yeah. And that I think has really uh, broad appeal to leave voters and remain voters to conservatives uh, Greens, Lib Dems, whoever. So if I were a Labour Party um, strategist, I would think this is such a good opportunity to uh, show our commitment to democracy and actually sell something positive on the doorstep. Yeah, yeah, totally. My, my, my personal opinion is I think it also needs to be packaged with just a general um, strategy of renewal and um, just quite radical change. I'd like to see like, a, and this is again, this is slightly out of your remit, but like a, a constitution, um, reforming the House of Lords and all, all of the stuff we spoke about, votes at 16, I'd like to see all of that as well. So, I mean, I would I, I would love to see, as you know, as a Lib Dem, I know that the Lib Dems aren't going to be anywhere near power for quite a while, but um, it certainly I, I'm, I'm massively behind Labour and, and just really hope that they can get on and do this now because it feels like it's decades and decades in the, in, you know, in the making and we just need to get it done now. Um, but I won't, I won't, um, I won't draw you on that. So I wanted to ask you, in terms of the rest of the world, obviously Canada, America, first past the post, but presumably the majority of countries now use PR. So can you give me an example? I know we sort of, we sort of touched on it earlier, we said sort of Germany and, and Sweden and Denmark and so on. Can you give me an example of, of a country where they're just electorally, democratically, they're just robust, they're smashing it. There's, there's, there's no cynicism. People respect the system, understand the system. Can you give me a sort of a panacea that we could look to and go, ah, there, that's who we need to f follow? Uh, well, there's so many examples of countries which use PR yeah. and all of them, I mean, none of them are a paradise. So no. <laughs> changing the electoral no. system won't fix everything overnight, unfortunately. But uh, if I was going to give an example of where I think politics looks pretty good at the moment, I would say New Zealand. Um, New Zealand had first passed the post uh, until 1996. Uh, they had these kind of um, Labour and Conservative, their equivalents, uh, parties that 
um, weren't listening to voters that were very unpopular, uh, but kept getting re-elected because of the voting system. And they had, um, I think it was two elections in a row where the wrong winner was elected. Right. People kind of had enough, basically. Yeah. And they changed the voting system to proportional representation. And since then, their politics has been much more kind of collaborative, uh, much more consensual. Uh, and I think that's kind of borne fruits in terms of policies. I mean, we just have to look at their handling of the coronavirus uh, pandemic, which has been very effective. Um, whatever you kind of think of her politics, Jacinda Ardern is very popular and was elected, uh, re-elected uh, on a kind of huge wave of support. So I think um, I like New Zealand because it's a kind of example that we can change, you know, like yeah, we yeah. can have PR uh, just as they did and we can improve our politics. But there, there are so many examples from around the world of uh, PR systems where politics is much better than we have here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, sticking with New Zealand then, I just wanted to, the, the, the next question I had was really basically, how do we pull it off? What are the practical steps? But I just, before we go into that, and maybe you can answer it just by answering this question is, how did New Zealand actually do it? What were the steps they took? Which party initiated it? And what was the process they went through? And would would we be able to emulate it as, in the same way or as easily? Uh, so I'm not an expert on the New Zealand situation. Okay. But my understanding is that uh, the Labour Party promised a referendum uh, when they were in government. And then, now this it sounds odd, but this is, this is how I understand it, is that the, the leader of the Conservatives there um, in a TV interview kind of committed to a referendum on PR without anyone, like without any plans to. Really? Kind of did it by accident. Okay. Although some, some mess, I don't know, I don't know exactly. Right. Um, but they had a referendum. Um, first of all, they just asked, should we change the voting system? And people voted yes. Uh, and then they had another referendum after that to say, which specific system do we want to choose? Uh, so that's how they did it. But it, I mean, it, that's the kind of last few years of it, but it was based off of years of activism um, from groups like Make Votes Matter. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not an expert, so. Yeah, yeah, no, cool. So um, it, it was obviously, it was, it was many years in the making, but we're sort of, we're getting there now. We've got most of the parties, we've got Tory backbenchers, presumably, any in the government, presumably not. If they, the ones in the government can't say they... Can't say, okay, but there might be some it. sympathetic, I, okay, okay. I have a feeling we have some in the government, but... Okay, interesting, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think we're in a really similar position to New Zealand in that um, there's been kind of political upheaval and first past the post has really been discredited. The vast majority of people want to change the voting system. Uh, most political parties want to change the voting system. It is just a case of kind of pushing it over the line. Mm. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do. So in yeah. terms of next steps, it will be changing the Labour Party's policy. Um, that I hope we can do this year, but if not this year, then next, so getting it in the manifesto. Then having all of the opposition parties with a commitment to PR in the manifesto. And then after the next election, uh, a government being elected, which is um, willing to start the process on reform. So we think you're hoping so within a decade, basically, we, we, we can pull this off. 
Yes, that's uh, so Make Votes Matter often says that we want PR within years, not decades. Great. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, great. I mean, I'm totally with you on that. I think the sooner the better, absolutely. Um, so obviously you said what you guys are going to do. What can people listen to this? What can members of the public, people who maybe just aren't activists as such, maybe just, you know, your, your, your standard members of the public that don't really follow politics too much, but kind of like the sound of this and are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd be up for doing something maybe. What, what are the practical steps that you would give to your sort of various types of people in the public who, who might want to do something? Yeah, so I think probably our number one action is to write to your MP. Um, we, well, Make Votes Matter runs letter writing campaigns and lobbying events. So um, we really want people to get in touch with their MPs, um, even if it feels like it doesn't matter. Um, we often hear from MPs, oh, well, my vote, my, my constituents don't care about that. So even if you think your MP will never support PR, we want them at least to know that people care about this. Uh, so writing to your MP is the number one action. Uh, if you're really keen, you can get involved with a local group or set up one in your local area. So I think we have uh, 40 something uh, groups across the country who right. are taking action, running events, uh, yeah, running campaigns locally. Is that, uh, is that the whole of the UK? So Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, yeah. Yep, I, uh, I think every nation of the UK has at least one local group. Cool. Um, so that's very exciting. And I think what's great about the local groups is that they have a lot of kind of freedom. They do what they think is most appropriate in their areas. So whether that's running events or lobbying politicians or, you know, uh, leafleting, setting up a stall in a town centre or whatever. Um, so that's really exciting. And then specifically for Labour members, if you are a Labour member, uh, I would really encourage you to put forward a motion in favour of PR at your constituency Labour Party. So as I was kind of saying before, changing Labour Party policy uh, is probably going to happen from the grassroots. So yeah, I'd really encourage uh, Labour members to get involved with that. Uh, but also, if you just go to the Make Votes Matter website, there is loads of info on different yeah. options. Yeah. Depending on what you're interested in, what your skills are, there's loads of ways to get involved. Yeah, yeah. And be sure also to um, like the Twitter account because you do some great content as well, videos and descriptive stuff and uh, learning learning resources and in sort of inverted commas, but stuff that I've learned loads. I've been like, oh, didn't know that. That's great. I'm going to share that. That's really powerful. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, people are probably thinking... Oh, I could I can't I can't volunteer. I can't do loads of stuff. I've got a million and one campaigns <laughs> asking yeah. for my attention. If you can if you could just uh, give us a retweet or a like, that also makes a difference. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Small small stuff, but it all contributes for sure. Um, I mean, and it's I think I don't know. I I'm not. I've never been involved with a campaign before. Make votes matter because I'm quite young, obviously. Um, but I am always amazed that uh, a relatively small number of full-time members of staff um, managed to achieve so much because mm -hmm. of the support of thousands and thousands of people who are donating or writing letters or sharing content on social media. Uh, so it's a genuinely people-powered movement, which- um, Power, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. And they're the, they're the best campaigns, uh, grassroots, grassroots led, for sure. 
Yeah. Um, and then I, I wanted to end this by asking you, this is not really to do with make, make Votes Matter as such, but because you're only 22, and part of what I like to do is um, reach young people with sort of like political um, content um, and also try and inspire them maybe to get involved with politics because I just feel like having more young people in politics just slightly, it just gives politics more variety and, um, and, and that can only be a good thing. So what, just very quickly talk to me about the reasons why you came into campaigning and what message that you would give to say your 14, 15 year old self who, who, who you, know, you know, was maybe thinking about moving into politics. Yeah, so um, I don't know, I, I think I got into it just because I was frustrated uh, by a lot of things I saw. Um, that's quite a negative answer, but... No, not at all. No, same for me, really. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of advice, I would say just, like, take every opportunity that you get. Um, I think I think young people can achieve so much more than they think they can. And uh, a lot of the time, if... Say, I don't know. Say if there are some activists working on an issue that you care about and you think like oh I, I really care about this but I can't do what they do I think a lot of like older activists will just be amazed to have a young person say I'm interested and I want to help out and from there uh, they'll be like oh great like you could do this this and this so um, why don't you come along to this and the opportunities kind of multiply as soon as you start uh, putting yourself forward so it's like it's tough as a young person um I know I've been in lots of rooms where I am like the youngest person by 40 years or whatever uh it it feels like this isn't really a space for us mm -hmm. uh, so I'd say the biggest thing probably is just um put yourself forward for things and probably more will come out of it than you realize yeah yeah just being bold backing yourself yeah and I just you know, like, uh, I guess it's easier in the age of the internet that you can just write an email or um, send a tweet or whatever. The worst case scenario is you get ignored. But uh, I think young people have a potential to have a really loud voice. So, yeah, go for it. I, I mean, <laughs> it's not a very practical tip, but um, that's probably the most important thing, I think. Yeah, no, I'm t totally with you on that. I'm totally with you. I think... Um... I think my experience previously was similar. It was just a case of I was frustrated with what I was seeing, had no experience, didn't really know anything about politics. Um, but I just, I, I just had a little bit of self-belief and I just thought, well, I don't really know what I'm going to offer, but I'm just going to go and say, hi, my name's James, can I do something? And a few years later, I was running my own national campaign, you know, so yeah, it just spirals quite quickly, so yeah. Brilliant. Owen, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, really interesting. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks so much. I'll, um, I, I hope anyone listening to this uh, will make sure that you go and like all of Make Votes Matters um, content on social media. Um, check out their website and then do what Owen says, basically. If you're a Labour person, go and make a motion, um, write your MP, get involved with campaigning, sign any petitions and let's make this happen. Let's Absolutely. do it. Wicked. Owen, thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers, mate.